Hello everyone, welcome to part two of this three-part series with Lou Scott, a member of the 1968 Olympic team in Mexico City, my high school cross-country coach at Oak Park High School. If you listen to part one, feel free to fast forward to the eight-minute mark of part two of this incredible podcast with Coach Scott right here in the Sports Deli. For those of you that did not listen to part one, we are recapping the last six minutes of part one before we start part two. Welcome first time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli. To find out more about the Sports Deli Podcast, check us out online at thesportsdelipodcast.com. And whether you're folding laundry, driving, exercising, or cooking, grab your favorite deli sandwich or bagel and your favorite beverage, and let's do this together in the Sports Deli. We are honored to have Detroit native Lou Scott on the podcast. After trying to locate my former high school cross-country coach at Oak Park High School for the last eight months during the pandemic, a huge thanks again to Gary Corbett in Detroit who helped me track Coach Scott down, no pun intended, and we are so lucky and blessed to have you in the Sports Deli to share your incredible journey for the first time ever on a podcast. He attended Old Eastern High, now known as MLK High School, and had to train without a track and would have to go to Belle Isle to train on their track. He had a paper route, which, as you will hear later, is the reason he found his calling when his bike broke in the middle of his paper route one day. And not long thereafter, beat the reigning city champ in the half mile during his first meet ever. He used to find out what his opponents would do to train and double his training. He learned his toughness from Lorenzo Wright, his coach who won the four by one at the 1948 Olympics. And when coach Scott decided to wear roller skates one day, coach Wright put a chair in the middle of the track and told Lou, when I'm tired of watching you run, you can leave. And Lou never wore roller skates ever again. Ironically, Coach Scott, as a professional, later ran in the same stadium in London where Coach Wright won his gold medal in 1948. He ran his collegiate track and cross country at Arizona State University, and Lou Scott represented the United States in the 1968 Olympics. And you don't want to miss this historic interview as Coach Scott not only shares his remarkable journey, but we'll talk about the aftermath of John Carlos, Tommy Smith, and Peter Norman's decision to protest during the Olympics. Jesse Owens was a keynote speaker at the 1968 Olympics. Bob Beeman was his roommate. He won the silver medal in the 1967 Pan American Games in Winnipeg. He had personal bests in the mile of four minutes and four seconds and some change. The two mile was eight minutes, 35 seconds. That was in 1967. The mile was in 64. And the 5,000 meters was 13 minutes, 46 seconds in 1968. Lou was the second African-American long distance runner in the history of the Olympics. He turned professional eventually and ran in Tokyo, ironically, which we'll talk about, London and Italy. He shares a birthday with Beyonce and Damon Wayans. He taught and coached for nearly 40 years, as did his brother. Shout out and flowers to Benny, who set this up in Detroit. And he's a deacon. He loves to read. 
still runs with his training partners who are in their 80s and 90s. And you cannot find him anywhere online because he doesn't do social media. And that's why it took me eight months to track him down. And again, coach, this is your first ever podcast. And I, I can't tell you uh, how extraordinarily honored we are to uh, have you get in the sports deli karma and, and, and welcome. <laughs> there he is. He's good. The, the deacon, Coach Scott in the house. He's going to put on his uh, Olympic jacket. I like that. I love it. Take your time. <laughs> but yes, sir. Look at that Olympic jacket. This is the one I marched in the stadium, uh, you know, in 68. I will keep this jacket until I die. Yes, sir. Yes, he did. Coach, wonderful to see you. It's wonderful to see you too, Mike. God bless you. <laughs> but Arizona State was remarkable to me. I was so at awe hmm. of what I saw. And back then, in the early 60s, they were building. When I graduate, graduated, they were still building Arizona State University. Hmm. But being poor, uh, they gave me some practice track shoes, some hmm. practice uniform with Arizona State on it. Wow. <laughs> and I took it to my dorm and the coach said, what you doing? I said, I'm a race in this. He said, that's your practice outfit. Wow. <laughs> my practice outfit was better than anything I had, had ever Yeah, run. of course. And we had a practice track. Wow. Back then. I was... I was in awe and I said, well, wait a minute. We're not going to race on this track. He said, no, this is where we practice. We had a practice track. We had a track that we raced on and we had a football stadium. Wow. I had never seen anything like that. So you never visited campus before you got there? No, um, I visited one school, Western Michigan University. Wow. Because um, when they found out I was black, um, the tone changed and Western Michigan turned me down. Well, that was the biggest mistake they ever made. Uh, they, they, they wrote Arizona and said, well, you, they re recruited me illegally. I said, what's illegal about this? You turned me down. I mean, I, I can read. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Said, Unfortunately, we regret. I said, well, and then the coach at Arizona state called me on the phone and he said, that the only thing I had to do to get into Arizona State University was to sign the contract. And he said, and you're in. Wow. So I said, I said, send them in the mail. Training for the Olympics was the hardest thing that I ever did. I remember my coach telling me, he said, Lou, there are no shortcuts to the Olympics. And I didn't understand that when I was a high schooler. But when my first day of training for the Olympics, I said, oh, that's what he meant. Mm, right. <laughs> there were mornings I couldn't hardly get out of the bed. Hello, everyone. Thanks again for sharing space with us here in the Sports Deli. And now we begin part two of this incredible three-part series with Lou Scott, a member of the 1968 men's track and field Olympic team right here in the sports team. Arizona State, my freshman year, I wanted to try out for the Olympics. Um, and, and what year was this? 
1964. Right, 64, yeah. And then they had the great Jerry Lindgren. He was still in high school and the great Jim Ryan, who Jim was Ryan, also yes. still in high school. Mm -hmm. So um, Jerry Lindgren became my rival, but um, I, I injured my leg uh, in, in my freshman year, which, uh, you know, kept me from being able to make the 64 team. But after that, my, my mind was set on, excuse me, the 68 team. So um, after that, um, the first time I ever lost, experienced losing was my freshman year. But most of the times I won. Mm. But the guys that beat me, I congratulated them. Uh, I read about them, read about what they like, what their girlfriends like, uh, <laughs> what workouts they did, and the toughest workouts. In fact, I took Jerry Lindgren's workouts in double, and Jerry Lindgren made the Olympic team. He was favored for the goal until he sprung his ankle. But um, so my freshman and sophomore year, uh, each year I, I got better. My freshman year, I ran a full nine. 917. So that's um, eight seconds faster than your 417. Correct. Wow. Well, I ran 413.2 at Redford in the final with Shark. Oh, so it was already four seconds faster. Gotcha. Yeah, they call that the miracle mile because we, we, were, we were cutting it up. We mm. ran 413.2. That's flying. Yeah, my auntie said, do you want to win tomorrow? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, say this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Um, that's Philippians 4.13. And my time in the mile was 4.13. Unbelievable. In fact, I ran 4.13.2 twice. Wow. That's amazing. Good thing she bought you those shoes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> those shoes really made a huge difference. Huge. A huge difference. And, you know, what really got me um, interested in going to the Olympics, coach took me to Belle Isle. They had these Olympic development races around Belle Isle. It's Coach Wright. Coach Wright took me there, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, the first race I ran, they gave me a medal. <laughs> See, in the city, mm. they give you ribbons. I said, uh-oh, they done messed up now. <laughs> <laughs> You mean I can get medals for running? <laughs> wow. Um, they hated to see me coming. <laughs> yes, sir. Because if I couldn't get a ride, I'd ride my bike to Belle Isle. Or I would run to Belle Isle, run the race, get the medal. <laughs> Back then, it was only 50 cents. <laughs> right. Wow. But um, I, I had a lot of of people helping me along the way, but that those Olympic development races <clears throat> really helped during the summer, you know, keep you out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So but then, I, so then your uh, junior and senior years, you, you, uh, your senior year, didn't you tell me something happened during your senior year? That was my junior year. Oh, that was a junior year. Yeah. I got sick. You got and sick, I, right. I'm telling you, I, 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 I got the flu. Mm -hmm. And the doctor distinctly told me not to run. Oh boy! It was a track meet. Uh, that next day, he told me because he did he didn't want to discharge me. I wished I had listened. He told me not to run, 
And with my hard head, I went and ran. <laughs> and even the Phoenix Gazette said I had the longest case of the flu in history. <laughs> but um, the last wow. two, the last two meets, I recovered and I won, and I set a stadium record at the University of Arizona. And uh, that summer, I went to a meet where I wasn't supposed to go <clears throat> in Toronto, and um, wow. Coach Jim Bibbs told me, he said, just get in the car. He begged those people to let me run. Uh, that was the first time I broke nine minutes in two mile. I, I, I won the two mile. Um, uh, I think it was like 8.41. Wow. And uh, the next day we were going to New York. I got invited to that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> the first time I broke um, 14 minutes in a three mile run. And I ran like 1340, 1330, somewhere around there. And I called my coach all excited. Coach, I broke the school record. <laughs> he didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I got an invitation in, in New York in my Wait, senior year. Senior year, right. Yeah. And I was running against the guy yeah, that I, I beat in the two mile and the three mile. Like, hold on. Okay. Yeah, Van Nelson. And he was really upset because um, he didn't know who I was. <laughs> and the I indoor mean, indoor running's different a little bit, right? Than outdoor. Oh, they, see, I we don't have indoor facilities in Arizona. Mm -hmm, right. It, it was very different. Uh, Ooh, hot. But um, anyway, I ran uh, eight fifty nine. I think I came in fourth because you know with indoor running for me it's hard to determine where the quarter is, where right. the mile is, you know, and so- It's so a smart track. Right, and so you, I'm just staying up- Turns track. are different. But I ran a series of 859s. Wow. Um, from there to, uh, you know, when I got back to Arizona, um, I was undefeated in my senior year. In fact, um, the first track meet outdoors my senior year, I was running up against the great George Young, who won a bronze medal in 68 games in the steeplechase. Wow. Um, but that was the following year. But following. anyway, um, I didn't think I could beat him, but uh, I had run the mile on the anchor of the distance medley. And hmm. then when I got to the open two mile, George Young was there. I said, oh man, I'm not going <laughs> I'm not going to be able to beat him. That's Georgia. Wow. <laughs> so, so we were, we were running and um, we had a, the gun lap come up and George and I were still neck and neck and he didn't seem like he wanted to race. So I, I took it out. Hey, wow. Great Georgia. I said, wow, man. That's <laughs> incredible. Is, yes. In fact, I, I ran an 849. That time stayed the number one time in America for, for uh, almost the entire school year. Wow. So eventually, I uh, went to run um, in some invitational meets in the two-mile run. And uh, that's when I ran that 835.2 uh, mm -hmm. uh, right then when I ran that 835, I knew I was in business. Because mm. <laughs> you know you're in rare air then. Uh, I ran third in that event, but um, I'm the type of runner. Um, 
I'm not going to run with the pack. Right. I'll take off. If you want it, come and get it. Yeah, yes, that's right. But uh, I, I well, don't. That's how you trained us too. You told you yeah, told us the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. right. You you can't wait for that kick because sometimes the kick is not there if you're too tired. But anyway, um, after I ran so, at eight thirty-five, um, the coach I, I I signed up for the national AAU championships to run against again the great Jerry Lindgren. <laughs> um, I thought I had him. I thought I had him. I I I was out front. I mean, I was killing it. I was killing it. But on the gun lap, Jerry jumped me. Instead of me going with him, I reacted. And when I reacted, uh, he won by one step. And I ran. Oh. Uh, but I made all American. I ran thirteen twelve. Wow, that's um, flying. <laughs> and that put me on the Pan American team and two United States track teams. And so Incredible. eventually I went on to the Pan American Games. To me, it was my greatest race because I was able to get on the podium. Yes. Um, I got second place to Van Nelson, the guy I beat in 66. <laughs> wow. And he beat me in the indoor meet. But Van Nelson tr uh, tried out for the... Um, 10,000 meters. He didn't want to have nothing to do with that 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> so that was in 67 in Winnipeg, right? Right. But yeah. in, in, in 67, he, he, he beat me. Um, we got first and second. Wow. And um, you know, Juan Martinez of Mexico got third. And I beat him by the hair of my chinny chin chin. <laughs> oh, man, that's incredible. What happened was uh, somehow I miscounted laps. I thought wow. I had four laps to go. Yeah, it happens. I thought I had four laps to go, but I had five. Wow. And so when he when he didn't put the gun lap gun up, I said, uh oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> wow. I, got, I got extra lap to run. <laughs> but um I dug down deep. And so um uh, the guy from Mexico, Juan Martinez, he 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 stuck to me like glue. And I said, Well, I know he's gonna wait for her to get around to the straightaway. So what I'm gonna do is is when I get in the middle of the last turn, I'm gonna take off. And I took off and I I think I beat him by one step for the one, silver medal. But that was to me one of my greatest races of all times. Oh. Incredible. is sponsored by SportRx, the leader in sport prescription eyewear. You can find them online at sportrx.com. And don't forget to enter the code DELI10 at checkout for your special 10% discount. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the Sports Deli. So after student teaching, which was <laughs> sure, then I, I got a job in Phoenix to teach uh, second grade. And... Um, I began training for the Olympics. Mm. Uh, the heart is, it, it doesn't hardly cover it. <laughs> not Belle Isle anymore. No, not Belle Isle anymore. Plus, we were in the desert, you know. Ooh, um, Lord. And when it gets hot, rattlesnakes mm -hmm. would stretch out. I've jumped uh, many a rattlesnake. 
God you don't bless. have to worry about them unless they're coiled up. That's right. <laughs> but see, when it's hot, Ooh. they they um try to get cool too. Mm. Even Gila monsters, they they have a deadly bite, poisonous. Wow. But um, and you can see scorpions flying across the desert. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, but you know you got to do what you got to do. But uh, anyway, uh, I didn't get in shape until Olympic Village, because- um, Where was that at? Uh, Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe, okay. South Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened was, and this is the kicker, we had to go to Los Angeles to run in the national AU championships. The top 10 individuals in each event go to South Lake Tahoe to train for the Olympic finals. Now, what happened was I had to go to San Jose. I mean, first of all, I left Arizona in a old car, 10-year-old car, Buick, mm. with no money, a wife and a small child, not the wife that I'm married to now. Mm -hmm. But um, I was determined. Wow. Uh, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, and Lee Evans, all of them won gold except uh, Carlos. Mm -hmm. They found me a job and a place to stay in San Jose. Wow. Or otherwise I would have been out. What happened after the AU and, and see, this was unacceptable. The white guys were allowed to go up immediately to the South Lake Tahoe and be paid for. Mm -hmm. We weren't. When I got there, you know, I'm because I got a lot of white friends. I said, well, when did you get here? <laughs> he said, I've been here. <laughs> wow. I said, man, I said, what? <laughs> I said, when did you get? But, you know, I'm like this. If it's something I can do, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. If it's nothing I can do, I'm going to leave it alone. Mm -hmm. But that, that could have been catastrophic. Cause I had no, I was homeless. When I left Arizona, I was homeless. I didn't have a job. Um, I signed up to teach school in San Jose, California. Hmm. And then I happened to ask them, well, when do you get paid? Right. <laughs> Once a month. <laughs> I, said, oh. I said, man, ain't no way. <laughs> I have no family, no friends. Uh, I said, there's no way I could, because I couldn't see myself being paid and broke on the same day <laughs> and, got a, and got a whole month <laughs> to get, get another check. And so I turned that down, but uh, wow, it was obstacle after obstacle. Uh, my car broke down. Wow. Um, fortunately, I had a shells card. Um, mm. And see, my dad is a senior and I'm a junior. Um, I would charge it and they would send it to my dad and my dad would pay it. <laughs> he didn't know where that was coming from, but I thank God for him for doing that. But I mean, it was obstacle after obstacle. And wow. once we got to Olympic Village, uh, I began to get in shape. And I mean, I got in top shape. So you, were you running with, with Lee, Tommy and John? Were you, were you guys all? 
we were all there, but sprinters never trained with distance runners. Right. Okay. And distance runners never trained with sprinters. Uh, it'd be fruitless. But, but why did they help you though? Uh, initially, because obviously, you know, you're, you're different, uh, you know, events and stuff like that. Same team, obviously. I, I wish I could tell you, I'm going to tell you this, and this is a true story. When I was running in the, um, the trials for the, um, Pan American Games. Mm -hmm. Ralph Boston was a world record holder in the long jump mm -hmm. at that time. He stood in the rain and held my sweats. Wow. And that's the same thing I said. I said, Ralph, you don't have to do that. He said, I know. I want to do it. But wow. it, for some reason, uh, because I was the only Black that had a shot at making the team, um, they adopted me. Wow. They adopted me and, and uh, whatever I needed, I, I could go to guys that, you know, that were guaranteed to be on the team. Uh, and they said, that's all right, Lou, we, we got you. Uh, in fact, in the final, um, they stationed themselves all around the track and gave me, um, uh, you know, told me the progress of Jerry how far he was behind me. Wow. <laughs> and um, because I I was really favored to be number one. The only thing I couldn't plan on was the wind. That, that day, the wind was 32 miles an hour. With a little guy like me, 32 miles that an hour is would blow me off the track. Unbelievable. Wow. And so um, Bob Day and Jack Bachelor, they took off. But they were tall runners. Tall runners don't have the trouble with wind like short guys like right. me and Jerry. So I gambled. I said, well, I'm going to go with them. I'm going to hold it wow. as long as I can. So I took off behind them. And the guys who were around, they were giving me reports on where Jerry was. The last half mile, my eyes were bulging. Mm. Um, you know, we're 7,500 feet above sea level. Yeah, so right. I could barely breathe. And what you're not supposed to do at the end of a distance race is sprint. But it was either sprint or not make the team. Wow. <laughs> and Jerry was closing on me. They kept saying, Lou, he's, he's 50 yards behind you. Lou, he's 40 yards behind you. Wow. <laughs> but keep it up. You're doing... Uh, they were giving me all kinds of reports. Oh. And so I, I said a silent prayer. I said, Lord God, I said, Lord, if you get me around to that last 100, I'll take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jerry caught me on that last turn. Mm -hmm. I looked up and said, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's a wrap. I took off, I took off, and, and when I hit the finish line, I went straight down. Wow. I mean, I went down like somebody shot me. <laughs> wow. Um, I was in serious trouble. It took me four hours to recover. Wow. They took the oxygen mask and put it on my face and made me regurgitate. Ooh. So I took the oxygen mask off. So I use it when you bend over, you bend over and put your hands on your knees. Yeah, yeah. That opens your lungs up. That didn't work. I laid down. That didn't work. 
I sat up. That didn't work. But I could breathe. You know, you. But you know how when you uh, in oxygen debt, right? You, you feel you're not breathing breathing enough. Enough. To, yeah. To, to survive. Now we had breathing doctors. They were, you know, all the trainers and doctors were there. Everybody was giving me instructions. But my problem was getting a decent breath in. Yeah. Wow. But that was the hardest thing. Because my coach always told me, Mr. Wright always said, he said, if you finish the race and you can still stand up, you didn't give your all. Mm. And I ran two races where I fell out flat. And that was my junior year against Dick Sharkey. <laughs> I fell out flat. But wow. we were on sea level. And uh, right. I I, I, I almost fell out flat to get that silver medal in the Pan Am Games, but I totally fell out when I made the Olympic team. Totally fell out. Oh, incredible. Uh, and people just don't really realize, you know, the type of training and how much you're pushing your body uh, in these situations. Like, it's, uh, it's not like you have anything left. Like, you're literally about to pass out. You know, oh, yeah. especially at, at above sea level like that. It's just remarkable. But, you know, when I was training, I was running 50 miles per day. I was running further than the marathon runners. I wanted to guarantee my spot on that team. And it came down to one step. That's unreal. It came down oh. to one step. Sports yeah. Deli is sponsored by PSK Collective. Be inspired in PSK. Their clothing line promotes inclusivity, empowerment, and equality. And you can find them online at Kohl's.com, Walmart.com, TJMaxx.com, Lids.com, and now Target.com. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the sports. There were mornings when I, when I was training, I was so tired. Did I, I, I had to, you know, take one leg, put it on the side of the bed, take the other leg, put it on the side of the bed. Okay. Don't talk because if you talk, you'll think and you'll talk yourself out of it. So I get up and put my tra track clothes on and start walking. <laughs> and then well, I, and you'll be exerting energy into other areas. You needed to right. conserve your energy and your mind. But, but then I would walk and then I'd start walking faster and then I'd start a little trot. <clears throat> but I knew the 50 miles had to be done. I would run between 35 and 45 miles in my morning runs and the rest I'd make up on the track twice a day. But um, there were days I couldn't get out of the bed, but uh, you don't think you, you, you act. What's that about six hours a day? Uh, not for a, a world-class distance runner, no. <laughs> 50 miles. Um, I could cover 40 miles in about two, two and a half hours. And about an hour and a half on the track. Wow. So you're talking, yeah, about, about four hours, three, four hours. But I mean, I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> right, yeah. So were you just running? Did you listen to me? Did the people listen to music back then? Like, what were you? I mean, man, that's just amazing. You know, we have the greatest computer between our ears that 
<laughs> I guess, but oh my God. Um, I don't see how people can run with things on their ears because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You don't know if somebody's got a gun behind you said, so take one more step. Or if it's a car coming, uh, traffic, you know, there to me, there's, but back, well, don't tell I, your brother that he's got a Peloton. So he's got all kinds yeah. of. He's younger than I am, but he's young. Ben is younger than I am. But then, you know, they are people that used. I I just don't understand it, you know. um, But what did you think about when you were running for four hours? Like, what were you thinking about? That's a part of your focus and your goal. I mean, that's unbelievable. I'm thinking about how far I have to run. I'm thinking about the climate. I'm thinking about the weather. I'm thinking about bills. I'm thinking about jobs. I'm thinking about teaching. I'm thinking about situations in teaching. Um, the mind you can you can leave your head and go to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I mean, I've read I've read books. You know, I read Viktor Frankl's book, A Man's yeah. Search for Meaning, about how he had to deal with being in the Holocaust and. So, you know, I, I've, I've yeah. read about it and I, you know, I consider myself pretty tough minded, but I, I can't, you know, and I've done 10 mile runs with you during our training in high school. Right. And, you know, you pushed us to do our, our, our hundreds after practice. And, you know, I was like, oh my God. And, but for, I just, I don't know if that, that's a whole, obviously a whole different level. That's an Olympic level. I mean, were other people training 50 miles a day that, that were, that were in your event? I would say the answer is no. But um, I couldn't speak for them. I could only speak for me. You see, my thing was guaranteeing me a spot on the Olympic team, first, second, or third. And I didn't care what work I had to do to achieve it. You know, that was not an option. Um, That's a part of the hard work. It's a part of devotion, perseverance. Uh, you you can go through the dictionary, but um, as far it, when I was in Arizona, because you know it, it was hotter than blazes, <laughs> <laughs> we used to train at night starting in March, right? Because to. it was so hot, and we had these terminologies that we would use in order for us to um, be successful. First of all, we would say it's hard, but it's fair but beware of the bear because he's always there. <laughs> but, uh, and we would also also say mind over matter. Um, who's the smartest, you or the distance? Mm-hmm. So I always said, well, it's gotta be me. I'm still running, mm-hmm. but- um, Well, you got a I, gift. You never got tired. You found that out when you were doing your paper route. You never got never tired. Got, in fact, yeah. when I was in high school, my coaches used to say, Lou, go somewhere and sit down. <laughs> but I just had energy to burn. Yeah. Because when you when you when you when you become a world-class athlete, um, there are pain levels. And if you can't drop below those pain levels, you can't be world class. And I never felt it. I, I never felt it. Um, I just hated the fact that I was poor because I could have done so much in the sport of track and field. Um, I don't look at race 
I don't look at a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'm like this. Other people did. Th they did, but I, I didn't because that's not part of my focus. Uh, I don't use excuses and I don't accept excuses. So I, I never um, made excuses about anything I did. I just hated that I was poor because um, a lot of the guys on the Olympic team, they, their families had money. And so when you have money, you have options. Yep. Um, the only option I had was to make the team and try to get me a job teaching school so I could support my family. So, so I, I was running the hurdle after hurdle, but I was not going to let anything interfere with making that Olympic team. No. I hope you enjoyed part two of this three-part series with Lou Scott, my high school cross-country coach at Oak Park High School and a member of the 1968 men's track and field team in Mexico City that included teammates John Carlos and Tommy Smith. And you don't want to miss part three where Coach Scott talks about his training for the Olympics and the aftermath of John Carlos and Tommy Smith's protest at the 1968 Olympics as well as his answers to the very famous rapid fire this or that segment of the podcast. Sports Deli is sponsored by City Lokes, C-I-T-Y-L-O-C-S. You can find them online at citylokes.com where you can go and make your own personalized license plate hats. They're so cool. You got to check them out. And don't forget to enter the code THESPORTSDELI at checkout for your special 10% discount. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the Sports Deli. The Sports Deli is sponsored by Moolah Kicks. Moolah is M-O-O-L-A-H, like money, Moolah. And kicks, like shoes, one word. You can find them online at moolahkicks.com. And it's the first ever female-only brand basketball shoe. So it's a shout-out to the basketball street culture. And it is also about fighting social injustice and gender inequality worldwide and here in the United States. And again, you can find them at moolahkicks.com. And now back to this incredible interview right here in the Sports Deli. Remember, you can always send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Please mask up if you haven't had your vaccine yet. Stop Asian hate and remember, it takes a village. For Dr. J and Coach K, I'm Hootie Hoot. Until next time, peace.